right. Thank you for joining us as we take an honest look at the men and women we call officials, the professionals who make it possible for us to enjoy the games we love. They are the authority on the field, on the courts, on the diamonds, and on the ice. Behind the Stripes is here to support our officials, athletic directors, coaches, players, and fans by bringing attention to good sportsmanship, strong leadership, selfless teamwork, and respect for others on and off the playing field. Now, let's join our host, Keith Myers, and his guest for today's show. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Show number two, week number two. Before we get to Brenda Houghton, let's get with Jim Kemberling. He is a replay official for the Big Ten. Hey, Jim. Good, Keith. How are you? I'm doing really well. I know that you have worked the Big Ten football as a replay official did that all of a sudden start as working and now retiring as an official and now in the replay booth, or how did that job take place for you? Well, basically, uh, 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 this will this will be my 42nd year associated with the Big Ten in officiating uh, capacity. And I was on the field for 20 years and retired and was then a technical advisor observer uh, there. And then uh, when went to replay, we did both jobs for a period of a year or two, and then we just went solely to replay. And so at that time, uh, I'm not sure when it came in. I can't recall exactly what year, but I've been a replay official since that time. So uh, I have grown up with it. In fact, actually, uh, the first uh, telecast that had replay, I was involved with uh, a fellow with Gene Carabine from Indiana. Some of you folks may know him. And uh, Gene and I were on the first game, and it was an ESPN game, and and we had one play that we called back a touchdown, and we were 100% correct, and we were absolute uh, heroes in the Big Ten office. And the very next play took us like five minutes to figure out what was going on, and we went from heroes to heels in one play. <laughs> Is every play reviewable in the football yeah, setting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we actually look at every play, uh, but there are uh, uh, Rule 12 in the rule book it's basically an instant replay, and it and it defines what is reviewable and what isn't. So frequently something will happen, and I'm sure from a fan perspective, it's like, why aren't they reviewing that? But by rule, you can't. <clears throat> and to give you an example, that if uh, uh, a runner is going down the sideline, he steps there, and the official has him out of bounds at the 40-yard line, he continues running in for a touchdown. You look at it on TV and say, oh, he uh, he did step out of bounds. Well, that you know, you right away you think well you ought to correct it, but that is not a that's not a reviewable play, so therefore you can't correct it by rule. In overall, the Big Ten uh, has experimented with this. Is it very successful? Do you think it's helped the game? Uh, and how does uh, young officials working high school all the way up to get to uh, Big Ten or the Pac-12 or a Division One? Uh, football crew, uh, does, walk through that step with our listeners today. I think, Keith, I think that it's like many other uh, professions. Uh, you have to put in your time. And experience is a, is a huge factor in it. Um, basically, I think uh, you can start out uh, officiating uh, junior high or JV uh, game, high school JV games. And then you uh, progress up to high school varsity. And then if you're uh, uh, fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time and have some competency, 
you could get invited or, or attempt to go to a, co- a collegiate league, Division Three. My step was kind of was Division Three, and then I went from there directly to the Big Ten. But uh, the progression now is in the Big Ten. Or the, it's called the uh, COC, the Collegiate uh, Conference of Collegiate Officials, and it's basically uh, uh, there's a progression also now you're going from the Missouri Valley to the Mid-American Conference and then to the Big Ten. So that's a progression step uh, at a little higher level. Behind his stripes with Jim Kimberly, he, he is from Wisconsin, and and you get to travel from Big Ten site to Big Ten site. Let's talk a little bit about the fans and the fan base. Uh, there is a, a, seems to be a shortage of football officials in high school and maybe Division Three. Uh, I know don't see that much yet in Division One. But how can fans help officials, and in like ways, officials help fans? Well, I think first of all, uh, uh, one of the things that fans—I'm just going to address football. Uh, one of the things fans uh, have should recognize, or they don't, is the fact that number one, the uh, uh, they watch the NFL on TV. Well, there's a world of difference between NFL rules. And, and NCAA rules and also high school rules. And each each uh, uh, level has uh, different rules. And uh, they're applied for the good of the game at that level. And so it's, uh, I think from a fan perspective, uh, whatever they see on TV, they assume that's, that applies to the high school or the college game, which it doesn't. And I think the other aspect that uh, uh, frequently uh you know, the announcers uh, will, will make a mistake or, or not be uh, or totally attuned to a, to a particular rule, especially if it's an unusual situation. And right away that becomes gospel and it may not be correct. So that, that creates some problems. From an officiating perspective, it's like, uh, uh, I think just, uh, you know, you have to understand that uh, it's, a, it's an avocation. It's not a full-time job for people. And, uh, well, parents and Fans, they get very emotionally involved. It's it's one that uh, as an official, you uh, you get you get involved in the game a little bit. Uh, you know, if it's a close game or knowing a, a big rivalry, you're you're certainly aware of those issues. But uh, uh, you really keep a neutral perspective, and and you know, uh, and many many times that uh, you know you don't realize what team you call the foul on. You just basically call them on blue or white, that type of thing. Yeah, I love that. But, but, fan, but fans, but fans have to be respectful. That uh, you know, and I think especially you look at some of the issues that have arisen in little league and some of those type of situations, and fans fighting, and they go out and attack an official after the game, and it could be a. Hey, I just read one recently where a fan attacked like a 15-year-old uh, um, lad or a boy that was officiating a. a a low-level soccer game. Right. The fans went after. I mean, that that's ridiculous. Yeah, you're exactly right. Last question here, James, uh, behind the stripes here. Uh, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it really much. But here's the final question: Don't you think coaches are much improved educationally wise, and they understand how hard that game is? We're trying to keep our officials, and they're really working with the officials because I see a lot of associations doing a lot of clinics with coaches and even players. That has to help our game, and that's going to get our numbers up where people want to 
go back and officiate, don't you think? I, th- I think totally correct. I think that there's more uh, uh, more of a interrelationship to make the game better, to try to understand each other. I think the rules also have, have uh, uh, made a difference in that perspective. Uh, for example, when I started refereeing, it was not uncommon if the coach had a complaint. He was coming out of the field. You know, he'd be not way out in the field, but he'd be out there and screaming at you. Well, now, now there's a, a by rule, a coach gets an unsportsmanlike and two, and he's gone. So, I mean, the rules have, have mitigated that to some degree. But I think basically, uh, I think there's a, a greater appreciation of um, uh, between the coaches and the officials than, than there was historically. But I think I think replay and, and technology of, of of tapes and other things have improved that because I think uh, coaches realize that, uh, you know, they're emotionally, emotionally involved in the game and they see a call and they, you know, if it doesn't go against them, they're not, they're upset. If it goes against them, they're upset. But if it, you know, so why isn't that my favorite? But I think once the technology has improved, the, the visuality or visuality of the game, uh, after the words that they see, God, the official was right. And maybe I was wrong. Well, I got to give you a compliment. I don't think I could be in a booth by myself for four hours and 20 minutes without going to the bathroom or eating my nachos. So my hat's <laughs> off to you that way, Jim. I appreciate well, spending some time with you. us. The last question, young officials out there uh, that's starting m- maybe 19, 20 years old, doing maybe some right. peewee football or uh, elementary football, what what would be your um advice for them uh, to stay involved in the game? Well, I think, first of all, it's, uh, I think they have, to have, they have to have a love for the game. It's not, you're not going to make a lot of money at it, so it's, it's not from that perspective. But I think it's one that uh, uh, it's easy to get discouraged. For example, uh, oh, I'm working a peewee game. How come I'm not working a high school varsity game? And as I said earlier, there is a progression, progression that as you move up. And I think that that stick to itness, uh, uh, work you have to should work at it, uh, understand the rules, and 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 go to association meetings and attend clinics and and really uh, try to get better. If you take if you uh, look at it as a it's a hobby, but you want to be good at it, and I think from that perspective it, it makes a world of difference. But you have to have that stick to itness because first of all you're neutral and, and you're, you are going to encounter. Uh, a fan or something at some time, but don't worry about it. Just keep keep doing it, and that's and they're the ones that are wrong, not you. Hey, we appreciate your time. Thanks for spending some time with us Good. on Behind the Stripes, and uh, hope to see you soon. Thanks so much. No, no problem. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, we'll, bye bye. We'll, we'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. It's halftime at the Behind the Stripes podcast, powered by Indiana SRN, underwritten by the IHSAA and the Indiana Officials Association. If you would like to be a part of our sponsorship, please contact us at info at indianasrn.org. We want to hear from you. Contact Keith Myers at coach at indianasrn.org or Brenda at brenda at officiallyhuman.com. Now let's join Keith for the second half of Behind the Stripes, powered by Indiana SRN. Do you want to hear your favorite team on IndianaSRN.org? It's easy to do. Calling all the play-by-play and colored commentary. High school sports along with U Sport, Mr. Wizard is waiting for your call. Contact him at 317-443-0052. 
We're ready for every touchdown, basket, and goal. Contact Mr. Wizard, 317-443-0052. Becoming a licensed sports official is a great way to make a positive difference in the community and support the over 160,000 Indiana student-athletes that participate across 21 IHSAA sports. Sports officiating allows you to stay connected to the game, become a role model for our young student-athletes, earn extra money, and support the patrons and communities of our IHSAA member schools. To learn more about becoming a licensed IHSAA official, log on to IHSAA.org officials today. You're listening to Indiana SRN, God's Word 24-7 and sports. Well, welcome back to the second half of Behind the Stripes. Keith Myers joining us now are the co-host of the show, Brenda and Tim Hilton. We want to thank Jim Kimberlin uh, for joining us, uh, the replay official of Big Ten, joining us the first half. And guys, uh, very insightful for his part of uh, how he feels officiating is doing and uh, how replay works. And Tim, I think uh, you'll really enjoy uh, all the things he said because replay, he says, is here to stay. I'm sure it is. It's definitely part of the game now. So, you know, last week we talked a little bit about uh, the structure of uh, officially human and uh, behind the stripes. We talked a little bit about officials and how to attain those. Uh, you guys did a survey a few months back. Uh, what was your findings on those surveys, the positives, the negatives, and what stood out more than anything? I know that's a three questions building a one, but uh, elaborate on that a little bit, guys. Yeah, I would I would say you know Brenda put out a survey, went out to nine, you know went out to fifteen states, and she received nineteen thousand responses, and um, you know really insightful information. We have an infographic that's on our website, officiallyhuman.com, so folks can look at that. But I think one of the things that we really wanted to learn about was how big is this crisis in officiating and. You know, we're hearing about shortages, but we wanted to really kind of put some numbers behind it from an official's perspective. And one of the big things that came out was that, you know, 50 percent of officials that responded are over 55 years old and 45 percent of them are only going to work six years or less. And only 12 percent of officials are under 34 years old. So it really speaks to something that we talked about last week, and that is that Officials are getting older. They're, they're reaching retirement. And if we aren't replenishing the network of officials, we're going to have problems in the future with being able to hold contests. And so that was one of the big, you know, one of the big takeaways um, overall. I think also, though, there were lots of other, you know, information that we learned about why people officiate. You know, it's really about a love of sports, why officials leave. A lot of that's due to the abuse that they take. Um, not only from fans, but also from coaches. And so, you know, we have to be cognizant of those types of things as well. And then we learned about the assignment process. And the assignment process is key for these folks to, to get games. And, you know, we, they need more clarity about how the assignment process works. And they really want to know that they're getting game assignments because of the work that they do and the good work that they do, and not just based on, you know, preferential treatment or, you know, somebody likes them or, or what have you. And so lots of good information uh, that we found. 
My question on that aspect, uh, back in the day when I started officiating, I was an independent contractor, and I went out and I sought my own games. What changed there? How did that whole entire system change, Brenda? Is it because uh, good officials left, or it was hard because all the good officials were eaten up and all the other schools couldn't get that? Or what changed with that uh, philosophy? You know, Keith, I think one thing that, that is a major change in, in the officiating space is the sheer number of games and competitions that there are today. And as as camps and these AAU tournaments became more and more popular, every state association and every collegiate level had to figure out, well, wait a second. I usually, you know, especially at the collegiate level, I host a camp every year that I've been doing for 20 years with you know, Adidas or whoever, and now all of a sudden I'm trying to compete for officials against an AAU tournament or, you know, high school camps and tournaments. So I think everybody over time has just pigeonholed themselves into their own process and not necessarily working collectively together. And that is, that's very relevant at at the division one, two and three level and in colleges and trying to figure out what is the right way to do this. Uh, This earlier this week, I presented our data on um, to all the big 10 officiating coordinators. So of every sport. And uh, you know, we talked about this shortage in the assignment process and it's clear. And, you know, a lot of these coordinators are, they're assigning for two or three different conferences and what is the right way to do that. Um, you know, do we, do they form a consortium with those? It's just not, it's not super clear. It's not super clean cut. And it seems like every sport has their own little nuances. As we had our conversation with Jim in the first part, you know, he said there's a line of, of, of ladder that an official has to meet to get to the Big Ten. He has to go to the Mid-America and then he has to work another conference before, before he gets to the Big Ten. Uh, does does the replacement of that official when he jumps that letter, is there people to fill that position? Is that where a good varsity official uh, that's worked a high school game for 10 or 15 years, can they step in that role? How do we determine and how do we uh, churn those officials uh, as they get to the next level? How do we uh, fill that shortage of the other officials in the lower level division three is hurting badly for soccer officials, lacrosse officials, and even sometimes football officials. How do we fill that gap if everybody is moving up and no one's there to replace them? Well, that's where building this pipeline and recruiting and retention is going to become so important. And the work that we're, that I'm doing with officially human hopefully will help that a little bit. It, it that is true that, some people don't have the goal to get to the big 10 conference. Some people just like being the local and they don't want to travel. It's, it's good extra money. We probably need more of those, those people than we do, you know, everybody trying to get up to the the higher level. And to answer the question about what happens when we, we fill those bottom spots, the, the big 10 is really, really good with working with division three conferences and, and, identifying those those officials early and watches them through their career and then you know they'll they'll move them up to the division one level the big games and then somebody else is identifying the lower levels that's going to move up to division three so um it is it is 
they have to work with the state associations a little bit, but we still have a lot of work to do in that collaborative work. You are listening to Behind the Stripes with Brenda Hilton, Tim Hilton, and I'm your host, Keith Myers. We talk about, about the assigners. Does those assigners have certain criteria that they have to meet uh, everywhere from top to bottom of uh, experience uh, and seniority, those type of things, or is all that thrown out and that assigner can pick and choose? Uh, what is the steps of a signer and what makes it an assigner? Brenda, Tim, if you can help me with that. Are you specifically talking about the high school level, or are you talking about collegiate level? Yeah, I think a little bit of high school level. I, th I see that changed okay. uh, the last couple of years where assigners have now taken over. and The athletic directors have given the whole entire schedule. Do, do they have certain guidelines to meet, or is that a question maybe at another time that for another guest? Yeah, I think that that's probably better for the athletic directors or even a state association to to answer that. I'm not super familiar with what what their guidelines are as far as that at, it, at the Big Ten level. And I, I will say probably at the Division One level, they try to get retired officials or somebody that is just, you know, maybe an injury and um, maybe an injury has has, has sidelined them. But they're a really good on court on on field official and they need to fill a slot for an assigner. They'll do that. What is the most thing that surprised you more than anything about officials? Uh, is it the treatment? Is it the dollars and cents? Or is it just the wear and tear of the body? Of There's so less of them uh, everywhere that uh, they just get worn out and they get tired of the game and get ready to leave. For me, it was that 80% of the officials that responded believe fans don't know the rules of the sports that they're, mm. they're watching. Good point. And so... So, you know, when it's that high of a number, um, you know, I'm not saying the officials that responded are 100% correct on that. But, you know, as a fan, I know I need to know the rules. And, and uh, you know, the more we can educate fans about the rules, I think, is something that the officials believe will help reduce verbal abuse. Um, that was about 65% believe that. So that's an area that can be explored more, I believe. I think yeah, I'll, for, go ahead, Brenda. For me, when I when I look at this infographic, I looked at the top two amenities requested on site by officials, and I thought they were pretty simple. That we we should work more with schools, um, and and venues, security and private room to change. That they really don't seem like that hard of issues to to make sure that we're providing for these officials. And especially because security is really big. Let's, you know, we can talk about that all day long, but um, gosh, if we can't find them a private room to change in, I mean, what are we doing? Good point. Real good points. And I really appreciate that a lot. You know, you, you look at uh, youth sports and, and, and in Indiana opened up and uh, a lot of officials are now working. And I think a, a little bit of the problem is there are so many different rule changes from elementary sports to junior high sports to high school sports that go to the college uh, to then go to pro. And everybody sees Sunday, uh, Sunday pro football and think those rules um, are – equal they're not there's just different rule changes and uh, and that's really hard for the standard fan to stay up with it's even harder for officials and uh, that's why we have so many clinics for officials educational and and i think brenda you're trying to really educate our officials with those rules and those rule changes on those different levels 
Yeah, and I, I think from a from a just my point of view, it is really hard. The NCA went to a, an every other year rule change book, when, which I thought that was a really good move. I don't know that they'll ever get to beyond that, you know, if it's two years. But the other thing is it's really hard for the coaches, the players to keep up with these rule changes and the officials, let alone the the fans. Right. And when officials have, you know, I'm not saying that they don't get it, but when they are sitting in a clinic in the Big Ten office debating a rule change and how it affected what they did on the court, you know, those those are hard, let alone a fan in the stands. Okay, the old adage, this is something like a grandpa would say because I am a grandpa and I have kids, that, grandchildren that play youth sports, but why won't they just leave the game alone? Uh, or, or is those improvements to other rules for the safety value? But so many times we have so many different rule changes just to do rule changes. Is it, or am I being the old grandpa? You know, I, I think so many rule changes over the last at least 10 years have been focused on the safety of the players. Okay. And, and especially, obviously, in football and I'll even say basketball and maybe hockey. But um, I, I don't know that I disagree with the fact that maybe we could just leave things alone and just let them, you know, everybody get used to those rules. But there's always going to be some sort of rule change from every other year, and I don't know how we get around that. I think on rule changes, I think sometimes they aren't necessarily total rule changes. They're just re-emphasizing things that maybe have slipped in the past or over time the game has changed a little bit in terms of the uh, the approach of the players or the, the way the coaches are coaching. And so it's points of emphasis that you know get more attention. And it is tough. As a fan, it is tough sometimes to keep track of you know, what's new and, you know, you hear terms like freedom of movement and things like that, that, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to worry about as a fan. I just want to, I want to watch the game. And so um, it does get tough to keep up with some of those changes from time to time. It really does. And, you know, as sitting here and watching uh, basketball, old basketball, when there used to be 10 seconds to cross the 10 second line in the NBA, and now it's an eight second violation. And so all of a sudden you're in a junior high game, you hear someone say eight seconds, eight seconds. And it's like, <laughs> what are you calling? What are you yelling at? It's shot clock. Uh, you know, back in the day when the kickball, it was a reset to shot clock. It doesn't do all that. So, it, you know, it, it is uh, one of those things we have to get used to. And I think it would be really helpful if, athletic directors and coaches would have officials come in uh, maybe a couple of times a year to explain the new rule changes. I don't know if people would come and watch. I know broadcasters would because I would make it mandatory for my guys to know what's going on because you don't want to really talk ignorant if you don't really know the rule changes and all those things. And I think that's what gets us in trouble a little bit is we're ignorant to the rules because we haven't studied the game because we got to believe that those guys, men and women on those black and white stripes, pass that test and understands those rules and enforces those rules. And we have to help them enforce those rules. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. And, and it's, hard, it, it's hard from a coordinator standpoint of view too, because you're, you're trying to teach a thousand officials to interpret a rule the same exact way on every, you know, on every play. And that's hard. 
Yeah, let's uh, one more question here. Uh, we're running out of a little time. Thanks for listening to us on Behind the Stripes. If you have any questions, you can email us. Uh, I'm getting a lot of emails. I don't know about you, Brenda. But mine email is coach at indianasrn.org. Thank you very much for the compliments. Uh, Brenda's email is brenda at officiallyhuman.com. Uh, keep those comments coming and, and uh, help us uh, get us uh, on tune. And if we step on your toes, please let us know that too, because we're going to improve uh, as we go along. Last question here is, what's the most important thing for the officials to understand when they go into the business, Brenda? What is, what's going to be expected of them uh, as they go into make this um, decision and being part of the game? Anybody that goes into officiating, first of all, they have to be a team player. Um, you have to, you have to know how to work together as a team. And when, when you have to go into a hard call and you, you leave that huddle as a group, you have to be on the same page. You got to have work ethic. You have to have the drive and you have to have really thick skin. Well, I, that's why I'm not in it anymore. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, as we lighten things up a little bit, have you seen um, positive roles going through? I know that we have a shortage, but is there numbers that see where we are replacing some officials in some areas? I know, again, we're shortage of, of soccer officials and uh, um field hockey and lacrosse, but is full football numbers getting there? Is basketball numbers getting there? Are we close of getting where what you want to see? Or is this a long-term process? As Tim said, you know, six years from now, we may have this same situation. No, I, I, I don't think we're anywhere close. I don't, I don't think we've moved the needle really at all. Certain sports obviously don't have um, a shortage. It doesn't seem like there's a great shortage at the collegiate level for volleyball officials. And, and again, at the higher level for men's basketball, football, women's basketball, and even ice, ice hockey. But um, I think it's, it's, it didn't take us 10 years to get here. It, we're not going to fix it in two years. And I think the more that we can, the officially human name can get out there and the mission that we're on to humanize officials will keep people in the in the craft longer and it's it's going to take a lot of people working together to do this and that's why this show is here for those officials and also uh the people that are around the game uh, i really like to see athletic directors jump on it associate uh associations uh commissioners as uh, next week our guest is sandra walters she's from the indiana high school athletic association uh will be uh, mine and brenda's guests and we're going to talk a little bit about uh what she does and and what the state of indiana is trying to do to uptick the officials i know uh the officials association of indiana are, are, are rallying around this uh show as well to uh improve uh, their capabilities of what they need to do. And it comes back down to, I think, uh, accountability and, and to make this game stronger. It takes everybody from the fan sitting in the stands to the popcorn vendor to the scorekeeper to the officials and the coaches. Yeah, and I'll just add one last comment to that. Um, people that go into officiating, they're really, really good people. They're good men and women, and they do some really good stuff off the courts. And if you look at um, at RefQuest out of Indianapolis, Bo Borowski, they just they did a virtual flash camp. They did a, quite a few of them, and they collected money for money to buy food for local food banks. And and 
you know, these are just regular people doing really, really great work off, off the courts. Yeah, I think it's real important that we do that. And so uh, it, it's been, a, you know, our time is a limited to 30 minutes uh, a, a show. But uh, join us next week. And, and Brenda, Tim, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, thanks so much, Keith. And we want to thank you for listening. And uh, join us again next week on Behind the Stripes. You've been listening to Behind the Stripes, a show that supports our officials, athletic directors, coaches, players, and fans by bringing attention to good sportsmanship, strong leadership, selfless teamwork, and respect for others on and off the playing field. Thank you for listening to Behind the Stripes. Powered by Indiana SRN. Do you want to hear your favorite team on indianasrn.org? It's easy to do. Calling all the play-by-play and colored commentary. High school sports along with youth sport. Mr. Wizard is waiting for your call. Contact him at 317-443-0052. We're ready for every touchdown, basket, and goal. Contact Mr. Wizard, 317-443-0052. You're listening to IndianaSRN.org.